This is Hebrews 4.14 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you very much, Alice, for reading that to us. Keep it open, please. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, uh, top of page 1204. But I want to start with something slightly different. I'd start with a, we don't often do this, a riddle, and it's quite an easy one. I have to make them easy for Christopher Henderson to be able to get them, okay? In May 1995, I was publicly opened, and a dream of 200 years was fulfilled. During those two centuries, there were 27 attempts to design me, but the 10 construction companies only got government approval in 1984 to go ahead and build me. I was the biggest European construction project of the 20th century, costing $15 billion. What am I? Well, I told you it was nice and easy. The answer, of course, is the Channel Tunnel. And during those 25 years, so you got it, didn't you? Christopher Henderson got it, you see, that's good. He is encouraged, I'm encouraged, we're all encouraged. The Channel Tunnel has been dogged during those 25 years of its history by all sorts of things, by fires and strike action and terrorist threats, not to mention, of course, the impact of the refugee crisis and Brexit. So there's been a fair amount of negative publicity, but to me that's a shame considering it is such an engineering marvel. At 23 miles long... That link between France and Britain was dug through a perfectly, I mean, ideally situated bed of waterproof chalk more than 40 metres below the sea, with the end result of a journey time of about half an hour at a top speed of 130 kilometres an hour, shifting over 10 million passengers a year. It's pretty amazing. So an amazing link between Britain and France But our verses in Hebrews 4 tell us about an even more significant link, the link between humanity and God. A lot of people might think that, uh, might imagine that that link is all about rituals and rules. So sort of me doing certain things in religious buildings, or hang out with Christians on camps and house parties, or getting confirmed or taking Holy Communion, or living in a certain way, and we think that if I do enough good things, and don't do too many bad things, then it'll be fine, I'll be linked up with God in heaven. But actually these verses tell us something different. They tell us that the link between humanity and God is not a matter of rules and rituals. It is a person, Jesus Christ. So he's referred to in our verses as the great high priest. And I think you could summarize the passage that Alice read like this. We've got a priest, so we've got a prayer. And those are my two headings tonight. We've got a priest, and we've got a prayer. And I want to end, actually, um, as we sometimes do in our services, with a prayer that anybody could pray for the very first time, if they wanted to start 
that relationship with God, open that link with heaven. Well, what about our first point? We've got a priest. We can see how he's described in verse 14. Verse 14, if you look at it. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Uh, Literally, it says what you can see in the footnotes. Jesus is described there as a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, which is a slightly odd phrase to us, but it would have rung bells with the people who first read this letter because they knew all about priests going through into special places. Perhaps you know that in the Jewish temple there were a series of courtyards arranged sort of like rings with an inner ring, courtyards within courtyards, and The different courtyards or their walls acted almost like no-entry signs, barriers saying, keep out. So the outer court of the temple was the court of the Gentiles. Everybody could go in there. The next courtyard was for Jews only. And on the door there was a sign saying, not trespassers will be prosecuted, but trespassers will be executed. So there was a serious exclusion order. Inside the Jews' courtyard, there was a men-only courtyard. And inside that, there was a section of the building inside which you could only go if you were a priest. And then right inside, right in the middle, was a place called the Holy of Holies. And that symbolized God's special presence. And it was shut off by a massive curtain, and only one person could go within that curtain, the high priest. He only went in once a year, at Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, after lots of sacrifices. The temple officers were so worried that that high priest might be frazzled by being in direct contact with God, that he actually had bells sewn into the hem of his robes, so that they would know that he was still moving around inside there. And supposedly a rope attached to his legs so they could pull him out, and no one else would have to go in if something went wrong. Because... Only the official link person could go into God's presence. And that link or mediator was the high priest. Now think, if you know about this, to what happened the first Good Friday as Jesus died on the cross. Do you remember how the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom? So that last great big no-entry sign, keeping people out of God's presence was taken down for good. Our verses in Hebrews at the moment did explain how that was done. You'll have to keep coming back for more from the letter of Hebrews for that. But they do tell us who did it. Look at verse 14 again in the middle. He's not just your average high priest, our great high priest, who's gone not just through the curtain into the Holy of Holies, he's ascended, gone through the heavens into God's direct company, Jesus. Not just the Son of Mary, but the Son of God. And I think there's a little hint there as to how ideally suited he was to be the link between humanity and God. It doesn't take much brains to work out that the Channel Tunnel wouldn't be much good if it started in Dover and stopped five miles short of Calais. That would be useless. It wouldn't be any good if it stopped half a mile short of its destination. Say it started in Calais 
and stop half a mile short of the English coast. It is only an effective link if it actually brings France and England together properly. Similarly, if Jesus is to be the perfect link between humanity and God, then it's necessary for him at both ends to be perfectly connected. And these verses tell us that that's the case. He's God. The phrase that's used is the Son of God, which is the Bible's way of saying God's equal, fully God. People sometimes say to me, I've never seen God myself. Have you? And I suppose the only answer one can give to that is to say this. No, I haven't seen God. But I could have done if I'd been on time. I just happened to be about 2,000 years too late. If I'd been in Israel in Jesus' lifetime, I'd have seen a person who said the sort of things only God can say, claiming to have existed before he was born, claiming to forgive sins, claiming to feed our deepest needs and satisfy us as the bread of life, so on. Lots of amazing claims, but he wasn't just talk. He did the sort of things that only God can do. Amazing things, like feeding 5,000 with a few rolls and a couple of fish, or touching the life of a devastated widow by raising her son back to life when he died. And he matched all that with the character of God as well, perfect in every way, a wonderful blend. That's what I love about Jesus, a blend of compassion and courage. So sort of tenderness and strength at the same time. Holiness and humility, very approachable. Patience, seems to have lots of time for people. And purposefulness, he was a very directed life. So the character of God you see in him. There never was a life like that, before or after. And all the evidence to me lines up to say, as clearly as as can be said, that he was fully God. But does that mean that he was remote from us, or distant? Well, not at all. He was fully human as well. Let's look at verse 15, if we go on to that verse. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. It's an amazing thing about Jesus. You think about other people that founded world religions, the man who started Buddhism, Gautama, a wealthy and powerful prince, the founder of Islam, Muhammad, a renowned and fearsome warrior. But the bloke who started Christianity was rather different, wasn't he? Born in a shed. He spent most of his life unknown. He ended up being executed as a criminal. See, even though he was fully God, he wasn't shielded from normal life on planet Earth. He was fully human, real flesh and blood. So if you cut him, he bled. If you punched him, as happened towards the end of his life. He was bruised. I don't know if it's speculation. I hope it's okay to say this. When he was a teenager, his voice broke and he went through puberty. I wonder if it's ever occurred to you. Sorry, it's to be risky in that way and talk that way. But if it's ever occurred to you, Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be a teenager. He has been one. 
If you're in TNG, at some stage or other in his life, Jesus was exactly the same age as you are today. And the verse even says he went through the experience of temptation, tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. I love that little bit of the Bible there. It's a wonderful reminder to us that temptation is not sin necessarily. Sometimes you see, I think we feel guilty just because we're tempted. Well, we shouldn't. Temptation only becomes sin when we give in to it. And Jesus was tempted. Only in his case, the terrible pressure of temptation was even worse. For one simple reason, he never gave in. But you grasp what this means. It means, does it not, that a wonderful link is possible because of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. God doesn't have to be remote and distant Because in the person of Jesus Christ, he came down to our level. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Whatever our struggles and hassles, Jesus cares. And because Jesus cares, that means God cares. Over the last 20 years, since the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, there's been a huge amount of attention uh, on the royal family, asking that question, are they in touch with ordinary people in their lives? And I think you'd have to say that the royal family has covered a huge amount of ground to show how, though they may be very privileged, they are in touch with ordinary lives. It's wonderful that the the princes, William and Harry, have gone on record as, you think about it, championing disability with the games, uh, in touch with people's physical and emotional frailties and willing to own the fact that they've had struggles themselves. They called Diana the people's princess as well. So she wasn't, in people's mind, the frosty royal. She had a genuine concern for people, for the AIDS patient, uh, the child maimed by landmines, whatever it was. I think a lot of progress has been made. And the royals show a tenderness and compassion which puts me to shame, I feel. But we have to say it doesn't even come close to Jesus Christ. He had no palace to retreat to, uh, no fabulously wealthy lifestyle. When he reached out to the leper or the suffering child, you have to say he was never wearing a fashionable designer outfit as he did so. I'll tell you another thing he didn't have. He had no sin, says this verse. Nothing to make for any barrier between him and heaven, the way that even the best of us have. Any other human hero or heroine at the end of the day can't give us hope, but Jesus can. Fully God and fully human. We've got a priest. Therefore, much more briefly, we have a prayer. Now, usually we use that expression negatively. Oh, people will say, England against New Zealand. It's a terrible situation. 50 runs in five overs. We haven't got a prayer, they might say. I'm not uh, prompting you to get your phones out and find out whether that's true or false in this case. But um, we tend to use the expression negatively, don't we? But verse 16 tells us that where it counts, we have got a prayer. Because of our priest, we can be heard 
in heaven. So let's look again at verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The lesson of those words is very clear. Do I need mercy for my past sins? Maybe I've let God down so that I wonder if he can ever accept me. Well, I have a priest, so I have a prayer. I can approach God's throne with confidence because of Jesus, the one who himself was without sin. And I can be sure that God will accept me and grant me mercy, not because I deserve it, but because as a link between humanity and God, Jesus really works. And I probably need to say this, he is the only link between humanity and God. I must come through him. Do I need grace for the present? God's strength to help me in my time of need. I don't know what everybody's situation is, but is there some aggro, some struggle that you're facing? Maybe something you feel you can't talk to other people about. Well, don't forget, there's one person we can talk to about it. We have a priest, so we have a prayer. Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. And we won't just feel better because it's good to talk. You know, that sort of uh, patter that people sometimes have. He'll actually help us. Every once in a while, there are films about contact with aliens, sort of thing where you have a, a scientist firing messages up to space with the radio. Will they ever get through? And everybody mocks the scientists. I can think of one film like that. Well, forget contact with aliens. Is there any chance at all I can have contact with God? Does he care about my life situation? I hope we've seen that because of Jesus, the answer is yes. It's wonderful news. I can know God personally. We have a priest. So we have a prayer. Now, some of us already know that to be true. Lots of people here will have made that discovery. I made that discovery myself when I was a teenager. And there are others here who've made that discovery much more recently than that. What's the challenge for us if we already know Jesus to be that kind of high priest for us? Well, in the language of verse 14, it's simply this. To hold firmly to the faith we profess. In other words, don't budge from Jesus, whatever the pressures. Keep going, even over the summer holidays, especially over the summer holidays, I might say. But maybe for some people here, that idea that I have a prayer expresses exactly what you should do. You've grasped the truth in your mind, you just need to receive it personally for yourself and begin a relationship with him. And as I said, I'm going to close tonight with a prayer you could pray to do that. It's basically a prayer where you say, sorry, thank you, and please to God. So I'm going to pray, Lord God, I'm sorry that I've not lived with you as the one God. I admit that I deserve your judgment. But thank you that Jesus died on the cross as the link between you and mankind, and that he's alive today with power to change our lives. And therefore, please take charge of my life today and help me to live with Jesus as my Lord and Savior from now on. Sorry, thank you, 
And please, there are three phrases, if you think about it, which lie at the heart of any meaningful relationship and which we need to express to God. Now, that prayer won't be right for everyone. Some people maybe need to do a bit more fact-finding about this first to find out more about the Christian faith by asking your friends a few questions or joining a group or meeting up one-to-one with somebody to find out more. But for some here, I'm pretty confident that praying a prayer like that could be exactly the right thing for you. So I want to to slow it down and read that out phrase by phrase, and I'll try and leave a pause, and if you want to say it silently to God, that prayer, you can make it your own prayer as I read it over. So let's just be quiet if you want to bow your heads, and I'll lead us in that prayer. Lord God, I'm sorry that I've not lived with you as my God. I admit that I deserve your judgment. But thank you that Jesus died on the cross... as the one link between you and humanity. And that he is alive today with power to change our lives. So please take charge of my life today. And help me to live with Jesus as my Lord and Savior from now on. Amen.